Welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Alina Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we are pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Hi, you've reached Two Peds in a Pod. Leave your question about your child's health at the beep. Hi, my name's Ethan. I'm the father of a 19-month-old named Riley. We're at a stage where he's starting to have a bunch of tantrums all the time. For example, he'll headbutt us or kick us when we do something that he doesn't like. This is super frustrating, especially when he does it in public. We're kind of wondering if this is just a case of the terrible two starting early or if there's something that we can do to reduce the tantrums or stop them from happening. Do you know when this stage is going to be over? You know, I guess... I guess I really don't understand this question. Uh, what don't you understand? Well, I guess it's just like a normal phase. And we know that children are going to grow out of throwing tantrums, right? Yeah, but tantrums can be so distressing for parents. I mean, think about that. Your child is kicking you and headbutting uh-huh. you in public. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. So we need to talk about this today. But, but the kids are going to grow out of it. And there's, there's no solution, right? Parents can't do anything. They just have to, like, tough it out. No, I think that there are some solutions that we can give parents, and that's why it's a great question that I'm excited to talk about today. Okay, well then let's let's talk about this today. So first of all, how common are temper tantrums? Well, like you talked about, they're extremely common. Almost all children will have temper tantrums at some point. And um, Ethan asked about the age. At what age? Because I usually think of tantrums in the toddler age children. Exactly. So most commonly, kids will have tantrums between about one and three years of age, so these toddler age ranges. So here's the mystery question. Why? Why? What, what causes a temper tantrum? Well, what differentiates a child from an adult? Well, I know that. They're smaller. And? They're younger. And that's obvious, but what else? <laughs> They're immature. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm getting at. They're developing intellectually. They're, their brains are just like so plastic at this point. They're learning and they're experiencing the world around them. Okay, so they're experiencing the world around them. Their understanding is evolving. And as they start to become more ambulatory, they're walking, they're getting their hands on everything, they're climbing everything, they're trying new things. And that's good, right? Because by exploring and trying new things, this allows them to learn and develop normally, right? Yeah, but when they try new things, inevitably, they're going to fail at something. They're going to try something that's dangerous or off limits. They're going to push their boundaries. Well, that's not good. (laughs) Right. But if you think about this, that's going to cause them to become overwhelmed emotionally. Hmm, And that's what leads to a tantrum? Yeah, that's one reason. Well, what are other reasons? Other things are things that can be stressful for the child, and any stressful situation can lead to a tantrum in a child. So what are some common stressful situations? Any change in routine, like we've talked about many times. (laughs) Yeah, we have talked about routine a lot. Mm -hmm. Can be very stressful for a child. So let's talk about some of the common changes of routine that occur. So parents going back to work after a long weekend. Mm -hmm. Traveling somewhere, say the family is flying somewhere for vacation, you know how stressful traveling can be. Yeah, of course. You have to make sure that you're on time to the airport. There's TSA. You're wondering if the flight's going to be delayed. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the verge of a tantrum every time I go to the airport. (laughs) And Uh so all of that is really stressful to parents, and it's completely out of the normal routine for the child. So they might be confused and overwhelmed about what's going on. So I I can see that. 
They also can get stressed out by unfamiliar noises, unfamiliar people, and just new situations and stimulation. Mm -hmm. Then that's really stressful, not just for children, but for everyone. Yeah, and when it's overwhelming to a child, it can result in a tantrum. And why a tantrum? Little kids, especially ones that can't talk yet or may have only a few words, can't talk about that feeling of being overwhelmed, and they may not understand these sort of complicated feelings. And so that can result in a tantrum. Mm -hmm. So they may not have words for these experiences and emotions. Yeah. And even in the daily routine, like small things like changes in going to daycare or a different caretaker can be stressful to a child. Mm -hmm. Or a different nanny or babysitter. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we all like predictability and routine to some extent. Yeah. But for a child, they don't understand that different caretakers have different rules and expectations for them. Well, I can appreciate how stressful that can be. I think we all get sort of insecure when we don't know what the expectations are. Yeah, and that's why consistency is so important for children. And we talked about this in our sleep hygiene episode, too, that rules need to be the same regardless of the caretaker. Mm -hmm. So consistency is really important for all of us. Yeah, and I want to mention some other common scenarios that are associated with tantrums. Okay, what's that? Getting everyone ready for school or daycare and getting to work on time. That's stressful for all of us. Yeah. And in today's world, there can be different caregivers like babysitters that you talked about. And it's a stressful time because there's pressure on the child to rush and get ready. Right. And then the parents can get frustrated and push the children even more to go faster, faster, faster. Yeah. And all of this is going to end in something negative for the child, which is the parent leaving them to go to work. Uh huh. And the children knows that this is coming. And so this is going to lead to separation anxiety. And we discussed that in a previous episode. Yeah. It can lead to separation anxiety and also a huge tantrum. Mm -hmm. So what are some other causes of tantrums? Well, there are physiologic reasons for tantrums in this age group. Really? Physiologic? Yeah. So children who have inadequate sleep or rest may become irritable and that can lead to tantrums. Hmm, that makes sense, of course. Yeah. Or if they're hungry, the same thing can happen. I get it. And that happens with adults, too. Yep. Tired or hungry adults are more irritable. I have a special word for it. I call it hangry. I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but adults generally have more emotional self-control, although I think that my fiance might argue to the contrary on this one sometimes <laughs> when I'm hungry, but we can typically regulate our emotions a little bit better. Uh huh. And adults probably have more awareness of the impact of their behavior on others too. Yeah, that's good insight. Thank you. Adults can also just grab a snack if they're hungry. Right, but children depend on us adults knowing when to give them a snack. Yeah. And when adults throw tantrums, usually they're mostly like verbal tantrums, right? Yeah, they can be verbal or have gestures. I've seen that like on the freeway. Yeah, the, like, the <laughs> you cut them off and you get a verbal tantrum. I mean, I notice myself still coming close to having these adult tantrums. I mean, last week I came home from a really stressful day at work and it was like emotionally draining. I was just exhausted. And, you know, we have a seven month old black lab puppy right now adorable. Yeah, she's adorable. She's uh -huh. very loving. But when I walked in the house, she had ripped apart. One of our outdoor furniture cushions, there was literally stuffing like all over the whole house. She was jumping on me. I went to the bathroom. It wouldn't flush. And like everything was just like piling on top of me. And I seriously felt like I was going to have a tantrum at that moment. Uh -huh. So, But adults generally don't have full body tantrums. Yeah, I think I just took a deep breath. I think I may have poured a glass of wine, although I would not endorse using alcohol in these situations. <laughs> uh -huh. Cooked dinner, kind of thought about, you know. It's just a cushion. I can just buy another one. It's uh -huh. just a toilet. I can just 
you know, we can figure this out. So we kind of use our emotional reasoning to get us out of these situations. When was the last time you had an adult temper tantrum? Well, sometimes I have a tantrum (laughs) at work when things don't go according to plan. So you get like a late call or something for some complicated patient. And it's like like at the end of the day, and you thought that you 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 really had to leave to go somewhere. So you can just like have a little meltdown and take it out on like the resident who called you, for example. (laughs) Yeah, we've all experienced Dr. (laughs) Dean's adult tantrums. He's getting better with them. But that's enough about us. Let's get back to kids and their tantrums. Okay, so what are some um, underlying causes, like medical causes of tantrums? Yeah, sometimes a child could have developmental delay, which would could lead them to having worse temper tantrums. And how's that work? Well, some conditions like autism, spectrum disorders, or other things may um, exacerbate these tantrums and prolong the ages that they're having them. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. And then sometimes a child may not be able to meet their parents' expectations for their age. Their chronologic age. Yeah. This can occur for children who are large for their age. And why is that? Since they're larger, even though, like, we may know their age on paper, Mm -hmm. they look older to us. And so we can treat them as if they're more mature than they really are. And this can be kind of mind-blowing for them because they can't understand and that can result in a Mm -hmm. tantrum. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I feel like I do this all the time at the hospital, honestly. I catch myself thinking, like, why is this kid throwing a tantrum about taking this medication? And then I look at the chart and he's three when I thought he was six. And Mm. I'm, like, Mm -hmm. always reminding myself that. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have to have reasonable expectations for them for their maturity level and their ability to respond to different stressful situations. Well, that makes sense. When parents have expectations that are too high, it can also lead to parental frustration with the child's development. I could see how they would be frustrated. And from the child's perspective, they become frustrated because they aren't pleasing their parents. Wow, you've really made it clear how a mismatch between expectations and behavior can lead to tantrums. Yeah, thanks. So how many temper tantrums per day are normal? Many children don't have more than two temper tantrums per day, but this is variable, and some days are worse or better than others. So if they're having more than two tantrums per day, what would you recommend? Well, I wouldn't hold on to the two as a rule. If they are consistently having more than two per day, they're severe, they're prolonged, they get aggressive during these episodes, or they're at risk of injuring themselves, you should talk to your pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And what would the pediatrician do? The first step would be to take a thorough history. When did they start? How do they escalate? What have the parents already tried? What makes them worse or better? Those are all very good questions. Yeah. And then you can perform an evaluation for developmental explanations for why they're having so many. And look for any other causes? The pediatrician would look for psychologic as well as physiologic causes. So what can parents do to deal with tantrums? Well, the best thing and the first thing would be to try and prevent them from happening. Of course, that makes sense. But how how do they prevent tantrums from happening? Well, again, like all things, consistent routines and setting your clear expectations, including a simple verbal explanation of what is going on. That should lead to less surprises and less stress for the child and they're, so that they're more comfortable in environments that they're familiar with. And then maybe the child can tolerate a little bit of novelty if the routine changes a little bit. Right. Remember, the child uses their parent as a guide for reassuring them when they're feeling stressed. Of course, because parents are a great comfort to children. So parents need to remember that if their child feels stressed with changes in routine or pressure to hurry up, then the parents need to slow down. That is right. 
And they need to explain and reassure their children that their parents understand how they're feeling and that they're there for them. And not push them beyond their capacity to cope. Exactly. Then the child will be less likely to be found in a situation that they find intolerable that they're going to melt down in. Which would lead to a tantrum. Exactly. And there are predictable stresses. Like? Like preparation for bedtime, drop off at daycare. Or the early morning rushing around that you mentioned. Yep. So all of these situations benefit from a predictable routine. So can you give some examples? Yeah, like a short song can sometimes help during these stressful situations. Mm -hmm, Like row, row, row your boat. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that would have been the first song that I thought of, but have you heard the cleanup song? Uh Uh-uh, no. You don't know the cleanup song? I don't think that was written when I was being trained as a pediatrician. (laughs) Had Beethoven's Fifth Symphony been written before your training? I think so. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So where were we? Singing a song during a stressful routine. So one stressful routine could be thought of like picking up your toys if you've been playing. I mean, that's not fun. You know, playtime is ending. Mm -hmm. And so a simple song, like the cleanup song, which I have to remember now. It's like, oh, yeah. Clean up. Everybody clean up. Clean up. Everybody clean up. But your things away or something like that. That's nice, Dr. Lena. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a singer, but uh, I'll do my best. Um, So singing a song like that can help a stressful routine feel more pleasant for the child and can prevent a tantrum. So that the routine and the parent singing and the parent being sensitive to their child's needs really enhances their child's trust. Yeah, and attachment. The child knows that the parents are there for them and helping them get through the stressful situation. Also, if expectations are kept consistent, then it will be easier for the child to learn the rules. But children are sometimes taken care of by different people, and different people will have different rules. Yeah, that can be a big challenge. So how can parents deal with different rules for their kids? How how can they make it easier for their children? Parents need to be on the same page and support each other with this. Right, and so not play off one off the other. Right, because it's guaranteed to lead to some real difficulties down the line if they have different rules. Okay, so the parents are on the same page, but what if the parents differ from other caregivers, like the grandparents or the daycare? They should prioritize what their most important rules are and share these rules with those caregivers. And what happens if children break the rules? (laughs) That sounds like a discipline issue, which I think will be a great topic to cover on a different podcast. But to be brief, if children break the rules, then it's important that the consequences are reasonable for their age, so appropriate for their level of development. Okay, so yeah, so that does sound like a whole nother discussion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so what else can parents do to prevent temper tantrums? Positive reinforcement is always an appropriate method. That's always good. You're doing a great job today, Dr. Dean. Thanks. Wait, is that positive (laughs) reinforcement? (laughs) All right, so positive reinforcement is when parents sense that the child might have a temper tantrum and they're in a stressful situation, but they don't have one. And so parents can respond that they're really proud, that they've done a great job, and sort of talk them through this. Mm -hmm. So that the parent wasn't disappointed. Things worked out well. They were really explicit about the behavior that you wanted to reinforce, that the child was calm. Yeah. Okay. So what if verbal praise isn't enough? I'm glad you asked that because some children may respond better to a tangible reinforcer due to hyperactivity or they're not listening to their parents. They don't respond well to social praise. So some an actual tangible reinforcer might be better. So tangible, like money? <laughs> How many one to three-year-olds do you know that care about money? Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So what's a tangible reinforcer? Like, like a toy or something? Well, I was thinking more along the lines of a behavior chart. 
So they get a gold star or something? Yeah, they get a reward, like a sticker. You know how much kids love stickers? When they meet their parents' expectations, they can put one on. And then when they complete the line in the chart, then they get something like a toy. Mm-hmm. So what if they have a tantrum anyway? So this, is this I think, is a real problem. You know, the family's traveling or they're remodeling the house. You know you're going to have some other event and you know the routine's going to be different. And like the kid does have a tantrum. Yeah, there are certain strategies available for this. Okay. So they could plan ahead. And how can you plan ahead for a tantrum? Well, if you are traveling or you have a big change coming up in your life, you can explain to the child what to expect beforehand. Prepare them for this new experience. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Well, you could show them pictures, sort of share stories. Like if you're going to the airport, you would show them pictures and stories about what it would be like once you get to the airport. Exactly. And this is, I think that this is great for a variety of reasons. It's teaching them, you're showing them airplane, you're showing them things like that, but it also gives you time together and it can be really fun. Mm -hmm. And then the child would then feel more secure. Yeah. And they feel like they have better control over themselves and the situation that they're going into. Okay. Let's say you do that, but it like doesn't work. If all else fails, then you can try to ignore the tantrum. Okay. So if you try to ignore the tantrum, why does this work? then the child does not get any positive reinforcement for the negative behavior that they're exhibiting. For the tantrum. So what happens to the tantrum then? How does this evolve? That can be a big challenge for parents because sometimes it can get worse before it gets better. So this won't solve itself right away. No, it won't. And it's important for all of the caretakers to be consistent if this strategy is used. Won't the tantrum get worse if the child's ignored? It is sometimes more likely, but just in the beginning. So it's not a short-term strategy. If you're out in public and you want it to end, I wouldn't say that this is your first thing to go to. Mm -hmm. So parents need to know that if they ignore tantrums, they're likely to get worse before they get better. Right. But down the line could fade out. Mm -hmm. And if the parents or others occasionally give in, the child won't stop. Right. The adults in their life need to be very clear about their expectations and be consistent and firm. But kind. But kind. Mm -hmm. And the child will eventually adapt. They'll realize, when I do this, my parent is not coming over and giving me attention. They're not picking me up. They're not yelling at me. Because that's sort of, even if you're, even if it's a negative behavior, it's reinforcing them to keep doing it. They're getting your full attention. Okay. And remember that they adapt much more quickly than adults adapt. And why is that? Because adult brains are more fixed. Kids are more malleable and they're changing and developing every day. Okay. Now, what about trying to soothe the child during a tantrum? I'm glad you brought this up because it is appropriate for parents to show understanding of the child's dilemma. How do they do this? They stay close to the child if they can tolerate it. And they can say quiet, sort of brief words to demonstrate that they're understanding. Like, I understand that this is a really overwhelming situation for you. I understand that you feel anxious right now. So if the parent does this, could it make things worse? The parent needs to judge this. Sometimes the kids are in this immense tantrum where they're not going to listen to anything you say, and they might need their own time just to recuperate on their own. So don't talk too much during a tantrum. Right. The child is not thinking during this tantrum. It's a primitive brain. So like we talked about, we're able to self-regulate our tantrums Mm -hmm. a little bit. They cannot. So they're just reacting to their Mm -hmm. feelings. So it's important for the parent to just keep the child safe. Exactly. And wait for later to talk and process what they were feeling during this event. And every situation is different. Right. So not getting what you want is different from separation stress. And that's different from stress during traveling. Right. But an empathetic parent, like helping reason through this is always an appropriate response. 
So how else can parents manage tantrums? There's also negative reinforcement. And how does that work? So let's say that a kid is wearing a wet swimsuit after they go into a pool. Okay. And when they get out, the parent wants to dry them off and change them into their dry clothes, but they're so excited about swimming that this is sort of a negative situation for them. Mm-hmm. So what, sounds, what the parent wants sounds reasonable. But what if the child wants to keep in their swimsuit? Well, then eventually it's going to be uncomfortable, especially if like the temperature drops <laughs> right. and they're in a wet swimsuit. Right. So negative reinforcement would be allowing the child to wear the wet swimsuit and eventually be uncomfortable in that swimsuit. Okay. Then this would reinforce that they should change out of that wet swimsuit in the future. And then the conflict between the child and parent may be avoided. So maybe a tantrum was avoided. Exactly. Or maybe they get a tantrum later because (laughs) they're like irritable because they're cold in a wet swimsuit. So it may not work right away. It might not work right away. They might be irritable and have a tantrum because they're left in that wet bathing suit. But the next time they're in this situation, the parent can remind them of the consequences of their choice. Mm -hmm. So kind of like with ignoring strategy, the tantrums might get worse before they get better. If we can go back to the bathing suit thing, if the child is wearing the bathing suit and getting irritable, you don't need to keep your child in a wet bathing suit. You can just say... You know, I think wet bathing suits are uncomfortable as well. Let's go change. And that's positive because it's also empathizing with them and they're really getting on the same page. Exactly. So you don't want to engage in a control battle. Mm -hmm. What about punishing a child for having a tantrum? I think you know the answer to that. Well, I guess it would be that that would just make things worse and it would make the tantrum more severe. Exactly. This is a developmentally normal state. The tantrums are not intentional by the kids. So no punishing a child for having a tantrum. No, they already feel bad in that situation, and we want them to feel better. So we've mostly been focusing our discussion on parents responding to tantrums. Right. But children these days may have many different caretakers, so not just the parents. Right. So grandparents, daycare, aunts, uncles, babysitters. Mm -hmm. So all of them need to agree on how tantrums should be handled and that there are consistent expectations in place for the child. So what if they can't all agree on the same rules and expectations? So the classic example I think of is grandparents like (laughs) spoil the grandchildren, right? Of course. Everyone might have a different idea of what is reasonable and what expectations are reasonable. Mm -hmm. So it's important that each caretaker is consistent. So each caretaker displays consistency within themselves, even if they're different, like the grandparents different from the parents. But if the grandparents are consistent within themselves for their expectations for the child's behavior, then that's important. Yeah. And then the child can learn to differentiate between these two and they become more adaptable. So that reminds me, let's step back for a moment. Okay. Why? Because all this talk about tantrums just seems kind of negative. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm kind of feeling negative, too. And, you know, but we're around children all day, and it's great. We think it's a positive thing to be around children. We love children. We care about children. That's why we're pediatricians. So let's remind ourselves how amazing children are. Well, they're adaptable. Watching a child grow and develop is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's really like a miracle. It's so complex and it's beautiful to witness. And to put it into context, tantrums may be an opportunity for growth. What do you mean? Think of a child getting frustrated because they're pushing themselves to their limits. Right. So that's how they're going to learn and grow and develop. Mm-hmm. If they don't explore and push their limits, then they can't do this. I see. So it's an opportunity for them to build resilience. And eventually to learn to deal with frustration. Yeah. So that's a skill I think we can both agree (laughs) is something that you need for the rest of your life. Exactly. And as this relates to behavior and tantrums, that's why parents being consistent and providing a stable environment and teaching their children is so important. 
Right, because children integrate their caregivers' attitudes and expectations. And the more loved and secure children feel, the more children will be able to grow and optimally develop. So another thing we should acknowledge is just how difficult tantrums can be for parents. Right. They love their children, and it's hard to see them in such distress. And they want them to feel better. And it's frustrating. Especially if the tantrum's in public. Yeah, like this is what Ethan was talking about. They can feel judged by other people. Like they're a bad parent. So dealing with tantrums can be really hard work. A real challenge for parents. Although it's upsetting for parents, it's important for them to master their own feelings around this and be patient with their child. So that they don't get angry and punish the child. Exactly. So let's summarize how best to manage temper tantrums. Good idea. Okay, so first, parents should have appropriate expectations. They need to learn and understand their child's stage of development. And maybe the most important thing is to try to avoid temper tantrum triggers. Right, so consistency and routine are extremely important. And rules. Yep, with children who often have multiple caregivers, everyone needs to be consistent with the same set of rules. So the child can learn the expectations and not be confused. Mm Mm-hmm. And if caretakers don't all have the same consistent rules and expectations... Then each caregiver themselves should be consistent. Because children are flexible and they can adapt to different caretakers. Right. And priorities are important. Yeah, so we can't expect perfection. Rules and expectations need to be prioritized so that the kid knows which ones are the most important and which ones may have a little bit more leeway. And positive reinforcement when tantrums are not occurring. Mm-hmm. And when tantrums occur... Ignoring can work, but it can take longer and they can get worse before they get better. Right. And negative reinforcement is another strategy to avoid conflict, but allow the child to learn and make these appropriate decisions on their own. Yes, but like the ignoring strategy, they may get worse before they get better. Yep. And finally, it's important to avoid punishing children for tantrums. Absolutely. So let's get back to our phone call. Yeah, for Ethan and Riley. Uh, yeah. So Ethan was having trouble because Riley is responding to them with kicking and headbutting, it sounds like, when they're taking things away from him. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the most important thing would be to make sure he knows the rules. Mm-hmm. So which which things are off limits for him. And then to be very consistent with those rules. Right. So mom, dad, and daycare Um all exhibit the same type of thing. And then explaining what will be happening before it's happening so that there's a common understanding and empathy. Yeah, and I think that when he is going through one of these, they need to be present, but they don't need to discipline him. And then after the episode, they can talk about his feelings, why he was worked up. You know, it must have been really hard for us to take that baseball bat away from you. And then the hitting and the headbutting, it sounds like maybe it'd be better not to be so close to him during the time that he's having his tantrum. And and it sounds like he needs to self-regulate on his own. Yep, exactly. So we hope you found that helpful. Okay, but that also reminds me of a joke. (laughs) Okay, a tantrum joke? All right. Yeah, what do you call it when a snowman throws a temper tantrum? Oh, gosh, a snowman couldn't throw a temper tantrum, but let's see. What is it? Okay, so if a snowman throws a temper tantrum, it's called a meltdown. Okay, come on. Okay, well, we would like to thank Dr. Mary Beth Steinfeld from the UC Davis Mind Institute for reviewing today's topic, although Dr. Lena and I are taking responsibility for any errors or misinformation. That wraps up today's episode of Two Peas in a Pod discussing temper tantrums. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, if you could rate it on Apple iTunes, we would really appreciate it. Or whatever podcasting platform that they get our podcast from. Yep. You can also find more information about this topic on our Facebook page, TWO Peds in a Pod, all one word. 
Our website is at blog.ucdmc.ucdavis.edu slash 2TWO Peds in a Pod. That's a mouthful. It's also posted on all of our social media platforms. Our Instagram is the number 2 Peds in a Pod, no spaces. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2 underline Peds, P-E-D-S. And please call us. We want to hear your questions. Our phone number is 916-915-3388. Yeah, we'd love feedback, questions, or any topics. And you can also email us at 2number2peedsinapod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next podcast. Two Peeds in a Pod is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.